produce, allotments, the birds are singing. It's a sunny day in London town. Private practice podcast. Welcome to Private Practice Podcast. Series three, episode 16. You're, are you going to have a little breakdown about the fact that it's episode 16 and not episode one of ser- series three, which was easier to understand? Oh, I can't believe it's even got this far. Episode 16. 16. In fact, you're not going to have a little breakdown because we are, for the novelty, we are in Dan's allotment this week. The great outdoors. Where you... I assume, experience the greatest calm in your life. It's perfect tranquillity. Until I turn up. So far, so good. And the first thing that you did was turn on the sprinkler, which made it sound like we were in a tropical rainstorm. And I... I wouldn't say storm, tropical rain. We'll just say that within about five minutes of arriving here, I'd already made my first deaverish request that you turn off the sprinkler. You had, you had. But that's OK, because I'm still a sea of tranquillity and calm amongst the ever-changing force that is you. Shall we try and describe the allotment without giving away its exact location so that people don't turn up here? OK, yeah. Well, you know, what do you see, James? A number of things. Firstly, I see some just unbelievably dreary kind of post-war architecture and I just wish that they were all of architectural interest enhancing the landscape because frankly this would be I would find this a beautiful spot if I didn't have to see everything around completely surrounded on four sides by bits of rooftop and bits of UPVC window and bits of conservatory and stuff that I don't find particularly attractive to look at. Would you find it Weird that that's the last thing I notice as I'm looking around the allotments. No, but I'm always looking to the horizon, a bit like in other aspects of my personality where I'm constantly looking forward and looking back and not being in the present. I'm not looking at the immediate stuff around me. I immediately look to the horizon, and when I look to the horizon, I see post-war suburbia, and I think, well, it's really dreary and of no architectural merit, and it's polluting my environment. Just think about the listener who's, who's tuned in to episode 16 or episode 1 of season 3 of Private Practice Podcast, and they're expecting, a, they're expecting the description of an allotment, and, and you describe the things that are outside of the allotment. OK. But that's the first thing that occurs to me. Now, within the allotment, I can see bits of tat everywhere bits of cardboard bits of what's the word for that sheet sheet waterproof sheeting bits of bag bits of stick bits of bucket bits of tank manky old chairs um parched grass lumps of mud um bits of broken stick and rock that have just been also practical things 
a bit of stuff that is containing some things that are growing and it's not quite square. It kind of bulges on one side, which I would never have if I was um, planting the allotment myself. I would either have it completely higgledy-piggledy or regimented and in straight lines. Oh, OK. Well, right, you know, sort of a character assassination of my allotment here, but... I haven't finished yet. Good, good. Um, I'm also slightly on edge with all the nature. So I'm constantly... Yesterday we actually came here briefly and um, I was picking some of your fruit, tea berries and uh, raspberries. You were. And... Uh, at one point, I had about five tabries in my hand and I suddenly threw them across the allotment because I saw something crawling on one of them. What was that thing that you saw crawling? I think it was a spider, but it could have been an insect. Any one of millions of insects, I guess. And the fact that I'm surrounded by millions of insects and they could all crawl on me or land in my hair or anything. Or plant eggs in your ears. Yeah, um, makes me... So whilst you're in the place that makes you as calm as you'll ever be, I am slightly on edge at all the nature around me. Yeah, that pesky nature. I might get stung, tickled, infested. Can you imagine being tickled? <laughs> so describe the allotment from your point of view to look at first. Well... It's it, it's it's a mixture of hundreds of different hundreds of different kinds of greens and 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 because it's a time of year where where things are starting to fruit and flower. There's the occasional dash of colour. There's obviously all the higgledy piggledyness of any allotment. Yeah, so it's exactly as you described, but in a nice way. You see, um, insects everywhere, plants everywhere, um, lots of bamboo canes, different kinds of soil, different kinds of webbing and netting, butterflies flying past. I know that there's frogs and toads all around. I can see my potatoes, my sweet corn, my raspberries. I can see all the small tomato plants just sticking their little heads out and trying to become bigger and stronger to grow me tomatoes. I can see my different beds coming along. I can see the messy neighbour's plot. I can see areas that can be changed and bettered and and uh, cut back and grown. Um, it's just like an, a non-stop area to like work and play and relax in. It's wonderful. And that is a form of therapy? Absolutely, 100%. It's, it's perfectly um, cathartic and therapeutic. And what are you thinking about when you're doing the gardening? Next to nothing. What does next to nothing consist of? So there's obviously a kind of a, a oh, what should I do next? I need to put those bamboo canes in. Where should I get them? You know, what order should I do things in? But it's, it's a very light, quiet conversation just to keep the, uh, the management of what you're doing going. The rest of it is a sort of a... Uh, an emotional ease and a calm and a relaxation and a, and a, and a peacefulness and a, maybe even a mild excitement though somewhere there about whether the things will grow and and um, and, and a pleasure at looking at what, what already has grown and, and where it's got to. And what is your ambition? Do you eat the stuff that you grow? Do you enter it in competitions for Croydon's biggest aubergine? Do you sell it and think, ka-ching, this bit of land is making me rich no i grow it to eat it i grow it to give to my friends and eventually what i'd like to do is settle somewhere in a few years have a bigger plot of land and then grow it to sell organic you know high quality tasty produce grown in britain for the british <laughs> <laughs> and whoever else happens to be in britain and wants to eat the organic produce 
Yep, that's what I'd like to do. I'd like to maybe provide it for like local restaurants and uh, have a little farmer's market stall. Private practice branded fruit and vegetables. Yep, private practice fruit and veg. So we'll have to start an online shop where people can buy the produce. So can you see anything here that might help you um, relax the swirling currents of the mind? Is there any job you might like to do down at the allotment? Is there anything that won't give me a splinter, won't get me stung, won't hurt my back, won't involve excessive mess that I'll have to spend time cleaning off my clothes and body, um, won't smell or feel unpleasant? Is there anything that's just sort of like a little bit of pottering? Well, I suppose you could just sit and look at the robin and the, um, I think it's a blue tit, but it could be a great tit sitting on the fence, uh, uh, sorry, in the bush. They like to come and say hello and quite often... uh, uh, they need feeding, so we would picking up a worm and feeding the robin bee. That's not going to help growing anything, though, is it? What I actually want to talk about is um, little coping strategies in life, little bits of therapy outside the private practice. Okay, what a good idea! Such as gardening, and you've explained. Have you sufficiently explained why your allotment provides you with some therapy that is? possibly one of the reasons why you're no longer going to be seeing your actual psychotherapist it's true that is true um no i probably haven't um but i think it's unique for everyone isn't it doing something that they really love doing um but obviously you're outdoors so you're active and you're exercising um there's a sense of achievement and accomplishment and you're continuously learning about plants you're continuously learning about nature you're having to deal with success and failure i'm listening to this and it sounds like a worthy pastime that takes up to if you're a busy person you don't have the time for this sounds like a faff it's going to be an ordeal to have to actually get to the stage where i've got an allotment and even then i think well what's the point in this i'm not gonna have the time for it so in other words, you have to make the time, which re- means you have to be given a, an emotional reason why you would want to make the time to start growing stuff. Not necessarily allotment, it could just be in your garden, but it still requires a financial and a time investment that most people would consider they don't have. So Sorry, how would do, you persuade you, wait, someone to make do that? Do you speak for most people? Absolutely. You absolutely I'm, do I'm not. I'm the voice of the people. You're not the voice of the people. <laughs> You're barely the voice of yourself, James. Now, I'm not saying that it's for everyone. I'm just simply saying that for myself, this is what I have found, that eases stress levels after a day at work. I mean, even if I came down for half an hour to water the plants and look at what I've grown so far, it, 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 it feels like an achievement. It feels like a success. There's a certain raise in my self-esteem after a difficult day at work with psychopathic... So your life is meaningless and worthless until you come here and you see achievement literally growing out of Mother Nature's vagina in front of you. You could put it like that if you wanted to. I wouldn't put it like that. And then you sever the umbilical cord and you have to start again by impregnating her once more so that she keeps producing the goods to constantly reassure you that you're worthwhile as a human being who continues um, to exist and use up uh, the world's resources. Wow, Okay. Every tiny little thing that you do here is getting closer to that idea of what I would see as like a perfect allotment. I don't quite believe in the perfect that you would want it either higgledy-piggledy or, you know, um, right-angled. Mine is like creating the tastiest, most wonderful vegetables in a garden that eventually, or an allotment plot that will eventually look beautiful as well, you know, and I'll have a little area that I can sit in 
I've only had the plot for three months and so this year I'm just learning what the soil's like, improving the soil, which is a, a complex process in itself, and uh, learning about what grows well here and um, hundreds of other things, if not thousands of other things. I'm going to learn to build a shed because my shed that I've adopted is falling apart. I'm going to learn to make decent compost rather than buy compost. I'm going to learn to recycle all of the bits and pieces that other people might throw away to, to help me produce tastier food, which I'm not paying for. It's, there's so many benefits to it but in the moment on the allotment you know even whilst we were doing this podcast I wanted to watch as the cardboard that I've laid to kill off the weeds was soaked with my um, sprinkler system and watch as that you know takes up the water and, and will slowly um, break down and that would have been pleasure in itself which you took away from me no, I just postponed it. You'll be able to put it on when I leave. But surely you have something similar to, to all of this. I mean, I mean, I'm painting. Think, I'm thinking of painting, yeah. <laughs> thinking of your painting. Yes. In a nice, sterile, clean environment. You are covered in bugs, by the way. I'm just, I'm just swiping things off me at the moment. He's swiping invisible bugs off me. <laughs> Completely unaware of the spider on his shoulder. <laughs> it's, uh, yeah, I, I do understand that for someone who doesn't like dirt and earth and having to wash their hands from, oh, whatever it could be, like green gooey shit. Fingering your brown holes and seeding them and waiting for something natural to come thrusting out as a continually expanding erection before you then pluck the seed from it, put it in your mouth. I'm thinking of the raspberries. Oh, yeah, I completely understand. That was a relatively accurate description for lots of the things that are growing here, but I'm just concerned at this moment that you've regressed back to you know series one episode one two (laughs) and three um so down on the allotment in nature is there anything calming about it for you yes Uh, i don't know actually (laughs) you have to spend money on doing this i have spent some money on doing it I mean, a lot of the stuff you could do for free. You could you get seeds for pennies in, in anywhere from, like, Lidl or seed catalogues or... From what? <laughs> I'm joking. I have been to Lidl once to buy you wine and I saw that it was, it was all categorised according to some kind of made-up score system with colours. Silver, 76. Very good. Gold, 84. Excellent. I mean, it seems like a pretty standard way of scoring something, bronze, silver and gold, and giving it a number out of 100. Let me just blow your mind for a minute. OK. They don't score the wine in Waitrose. What? <laughs> <laughs> anyway, back from that little break, uh, Dan and I have actually been talking for a long time about some rubbish, but I'm just going to cut to now, and I want to ask you about other little coping strategies that are small forms of therapy away from the therapy room. Things like humour. Oh yeah. Going to a gig and watch or watch even watching on TV a comedian and laughing and having that sort of like escape. Actually, I would like you to help me uh, clarify if there is a difference between therapeutic processes away from the therapy room and escapism, which ultimately is more like denial and wallpapering over the cracks so for example going on holiday hey we could turn this into a game therapy or denial therapy or denial therapy or avoidance okay so uh, two different holidays the first holiday is a kind of retreat not not necessarily some 
expensive organized retreat but just a cabin in the middle of nowhere and you spend a week there and for the first 24 hours you go insane and you're you find it incredibly boring and you think it's a massive mistake to have gone there and you're just there alone with your own thoughts and you start to get paranoid and you're thinking about your life and you think oh do my friends like me is my relationship successful whatever successful means am I even in a relationship I don't know anymore you hate it and you think why why have I done this why didn't I just go on a fun road trip with some friends and spend the time going to bars and stuff uh-huh. so you but and then eventually after you've got all this initial stuff out of you yeah you find yourself calming down and you're getting used to the rhythm of living in this cabin yep. for the time and then by the end of it you think I this has changed me and made me a better person and I have found what really matters to me and I've managed to process all the thoughts I've been having and I can purposefully go back to my life and concentrate on the things that are important to me and not be distracted by all the things I've realised from staying in this cabin and not important to me. This was a great success. Compare that with the, the fun road trip with some friends where you go off and you're excited and you're ultimately you're always competing with each other, like who's going to be the funny one, who's going to pull tonight, who's going to... Uh, Choose the best restaurant. Yeah, who's going to get the best seat in the car, the best seat on the boat, the best room in the hotel, the best this that and the other who's going to look the best so obviously you're taking photos of each other and you want something that's going to be your next profile picture and you want to look the best in the photo so that people find you sexually attractive and want to seed you and make raspberries grow out of your vagina all of that and so that means constant anxiety oh my god am i the best am i the best is this one also you've spent a lot of money on the car wait, hire how, the wait, how much it would, like what, what how what do you want <laughs> to answer from all of that it's ludicrous i haven't got to the end of the question yeah yet. yeah yeah uh, is there a question <laughs> but oh, but then there are some fun bits and you're laughing and you make each other laugh and soon you get you, you've been taking the photos and you think you oh, i want the picture of me that looks good on the holiday and i've been working on the body and i think i'm so socially acceptable in society and i've seen the adverts about beach bodies and i think i've got one and i've worked really hard and it was really miserable but now I'm to the point where I can almost feel confident taking my t-shirt off so I'm going to take it off oh no there's someone over there who's more attractive than me and has spent more of his boring life in the gym and he's the most successful person on the beach not me I'm going to put my t-shirt back on again oh no I'm really hot and feeling like I'm a worthless human being and that the last few months of trying to make this one day a success have not been worthwhile at all and so and whatever oh. happens that's your, that's your holiday which of those two is a form of therapy in a way that makes traveling worthwhile is it both of them is it one of them is it neither of them i mean for me i feel like you you uh you described one thing that i would totally love to do and something that although i have done and do do it's 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 not the same kind of thing you know one is like you say a retreat you're getting away from it all the other one you're immersed in it all still just in a different country um same thing different place um obviously you're not working so both of them is a break from those kind of stresses i would suggest that one of the things that you said that was really key was processing emotions and because you're processing your emotions on this beautiful little log cabin out in the woods somewhere uh, even though maybe the first 24 hours is difficult you know that is clearly a a therapeutic de-stressing process whereas the other one had its stresses and strains and people often say of those kind of holidays or family holidays or holidays in the sun when they come back to work yeah i really need a holiday now you know um because they're not necessarily restful which is why there's this modern push towards you know retreats and yoga holidays and detox holidays and those kind of things 
mindfulness holidays, wellness holidays. Okay, that. I have been on trips in recent years where, well, I'll give just one example. When I went for three weeks around America two years ago, the first week was, if it had just been a week-long holiday, I would have come back from it thinking I need a holiday. I didn't relax. I didn't get. I, I spent every day thinking, "Oh, we've made the wrong decisions today. Oh, we should have done this. Oh, it didn't quite go right. Oh, I really should have researched better restaurants because we ended up walking around for ages, and then the place we wanted to go to was full, and we didn't have it. all that sort of thing, and so on for yeah. a week. Yeah. And then because it was a three-week holiday, uh, I couldn't keep up that level of. Uh, high tension and anxiety for three weeks and within that holiday we did have a couple of days where there wasn't really much to do and that slowed down the pace of it and so for the next part there was a section in San Francisco which was actually quite cold in comparison with New York I was wearing all my jumpers didn't realize it was going to be that cold at any point of this trip so the start of the trip in New York, it was about 34 degrees. The end of it in Los Angeles was about 34 degrees. In the middle was 13 degrees of San Francisco and I was freezing. But in that bit where I was cold, and even though I was cold, I actually got the only time I got sunburnt was in the cold in San Francisco wearing all my jumpers. My hands got really burnt when we sat outside. And other things, other things, other things. But by that point, I'd got into the rhythm of thinking... I'm in places I've never been before. I'm seeing things I've never seen. I'm on holiday, so I don't have to worry about anything. There are inevitable things that I will just enjoy, like the eating, the drinking, the looking, and so on. And I totally relaxed into a rhythm and enjoyed all the things as they happened. And by the end of it, I felt like not only had I enjoyed everything in the moment, but I came back totally calm, totally happy, that I not not feeling like I, oh, it wasn't long enough, I wish I was still there, how depressing that I'm going back to reality. Feeling like it was a perfect length and I'd had a great time and I'd got into the holiday without it just being a stressful thing. So I think you can have a road trip with friends and it not be a constant competition for who's got the beach body have we made the right decisions did we do enough research for where to go for dinner if not why not we've ruined the holiday should we have done the thing yesterday that we're doing today why are we even doing this so with holidays allotments painting little co comedy little coping strategies in life smaller though than all these things these are big projects i'm well, just talking I mean, about little day-to-day -day really things classic ones aren't they you know like having a bath and allowing yourself to turn your mind off like um uh sitting at home without the television on and enjoying listening to the different sounds that are in the house um i, I read a, a book once that had these kind of ideas in it and the person it was quite a waitress way of exploring things. We're saying, like, listen to the symphony that is around you, even though there's no actual music playing. Listen to the different rhythms of, even if it's the cars outside or the noises of the birds or the buzzing of a radiator or the beating of your heart or your breath. No, absolutely not. I'm not going to sit and listen to the beating of my heart. I'm saying if it was one of those or many of those things, listening to the symphony that is around you, you know, focusing on, like we did in the mindfulness ex exercise where you were asked to look, find 10 blue things, I can't even remember, like look, find all the blue things or the green things in the room. You're just doing it with sound and allowing the sound to build up in different layers so that you can hear the natural... Can we just do that right now? with all the green things. No, why don't, we, <laughs> why don't we do it right now with all the sounds? Okay. 
Um, hopefully the recording will pick this up. I'm going to ask James just to close his eyes. Yeah. And remember, you notice a sound and then allow it to just move on to the next one and build it up in layers, almost like a symphony. Bird, plane, wind, well, you're not, there's, rustling there's, there's leaves, no enjoy- water. There's no enjoying there. That's <laughs> Are you doing it like a competition? <laughs> no, I was doing it like it was an arbitrary, tedious shopping list. Yeah, which... Some, some of the things that you were saying as you were talking about your holiday, I genuinely think it was... You weren't asking me a question about the holiday. You were much more describing who you are as a person, you know. That to you it was a competition. For the other lads you were on holiday with, maybe it wasn't a competition at all. I was exaggerating and I don't consider it a competition and I'm not going on holiday just so that I can get profile pictures. But what I'm <laughs> suggesting is you're not really asking a question about what is calming and uh, mindful or therapeutic or peaceful... You're trying to trick me into answering a question that you think you already know the answer for, and then you're going to pull the rug out and say that that's not the case anyway because you've got a different answer up your sleeve. Or that I'm just going to say yes, and that affirms the fact that I am right and I've just nailed it. Yeah, so what's this all about? Even in nature, outdoors, where I've brought you somewhere calm and relaxing. I think there's a few things that this series we're going to have to explore. I think there's a few psychological... Um, Ideas in psychotherapy, <laughs> such as paranoia, the unconscious, fantasy... Phobias. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, what was that on my arm? It's a spider. <laughs> um, yeah, so, no, but I do think there is something going on here. I'm not quite sure. I mean, maybe you're just... Well, this is your calm place, and I was hoping that I would come here and find the calm, but all that's happened is that I've got slightly agitated. Yeah, that, that is a shame, isn't it? But I'm going to go back to my calm place this afternoon, so it'll all be fine. And what is it about your calm place that helps you find calm? There's art on the walls. Um, when I look out the window, I do see all the nature, but it's separated by space and glass, so it's not crawling on me when I'm looking at it. Those are the main things. And that's what keeps you calm, the separation from nature and the control of the art on your walls. The control of the environment as opposed to being controlled by nature. OK, so some, some things that work for some people don't work for others. What a valuable lesson, everyone. What a valuable lesson. Now can we just have a little moment of mindfulness where I have to look at all the green things? Absolutely. OK, what do, what, remind me, what do I do? You take a moment. Yeah. And then what? You take a breath. And just as you spot each of the different coloured green things, you just notice it. And then you move on to the next and let that first green thing and then second green thing and onwards and onwards just slip out of your mind. Just see if you can count how many different greens you can see. Okay, there are some thin leaves. There are some slightly thinner leaves. There are some thicker leaves. There are some much bigger leaves. There are some things with lots of leaves together. There are some little green sacks hanging from that thing with lots of leaves close together. There are some big gaps between the big leaves on the things that grow up with sort of like long pinky bits. There, that's rhubarb. <laughs> okay, you're doing really well, James. There are some darker mm. leaves higher up, but next to some lighter leaves also higher up. Um, there are some murky green bits that are kind of dying and not really very green anymore. And there are some green bits 
that look more green, but only because they're surrounded by brown. Wow, you're really winning this one. I've genuinely got quite a sort of like anxious, uh, disturbed stomach at the moment. What do you think that could be about? I think it's because we recorded earlier a very purposeful episode with a theme, whereas this one, all the way through, I feel like we're two people chatting and someone's going to listen to this as the very first episode of Series 3 of Private Practice and think, this is just two people having a random chat, I don't need to listen to this, there are millions of other podcasts that are more interesting. So be it. I actually have enjoyed sitting in your allotment and I'd like to come back. Do you th- will I be allowed back at some point? Of course, you'd always be welcome here. Okay. Um, what I'll try and do is maybe give you a, a cleaner area and maybe not use a, a dirty old crate as a... I've just realised why I enjoyed it. It's because I'm warm and I hate being cold and it's currently the summer and I can sit outside in a T-shirt and not be cold and it's not raining. I will never come here in winter, I can promise you that. Well, even if my new shed's up with the solar panels... Absolutely not, because the shed will be full of spiders and I'll be in a small claustrophobic space and it will still be cold and I will hate everything about it. I am in it for the summer. You won't see me for a cloud of dust when autumn comes. (laughs) For a cloud of snow. And on that bombshell, I need to get back. Yeah, I do think that the insect numbers are increasing around you as well. They're attracted to you. They can smell the fear. (laughs) Anyway, thanks for joining me on the allotment for an exploration of what is and is not therapeutic, even though you had very pre-fixed, preconceived ideas of what it is you wanted to tell me about. I, I still think that we managed to get a little somewhere. <laughs>